Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome uh, to our WBRX 8.30 a.m. wake-up call. And uh, apologize for last week. had a little bit of technical difficulty. Apparently, uh, my AirBuds stopped working, and I did not know it. So it, it was nothing more than a distant um, voice on the, on the line here. So I will try and pay close attention to that and um, avoid that circumstance. But, guys, these calls on 8.30, you know, on Monday morning, we recognize that you guys have a lot of things that you could be doing right now at this particular time, and you're here spending time with Sean and myself, and, you know, we place a lot of value on that, and uh, we pay, you know, we pay close attention to the people that are that are plugged in because ultimately that's, you know, that's the, the folks that we can work with in a, in a lot of different ways, and you guys plug in, you get information, <clears throat> you know about things that are taking place, and we send out um you know, we send out consistent uh, newsletters and emails to keep you guys, you know, more aware of what's taking place. As a matter of fact, I just saw that the email uh, hit from info at wbarracksglobal.com. So one of our goals as we entered into this month, you know, with our marketing team was to find new and um, effective, efficient ways to communicate with everybody as to what's taking place, Right. And if you look at those, and, and you know, when, the, when we send those emails, we just ask that you just make sure and just take a look just so that you can not only understand yourself but make other people aware, you know, that are in your group or that you're in contact with. Um, you know, that, that's a valuable, um, you know, very valuable to do that. So, you know, we know that the month of April kind of launched into, um, we, we announced our, our trip to San Dustin in uh, March. And so now as we move forward into the month of, of April, uh, you know, we, we have a special where if you have, whoever has the most brand partners at forty nine ninety five <clears throat> is now positioned to win that trip, which we think is, uh, is fantastic. And I've been saying that whomever goes out and has the most brand partners in the month of April, I believe will end up doing a significant amount of volume in the months of, you know, May and June and so forth because you've got an active group to start working with. And last week when I was on the call, I was really talking about, you know, the importance of, of just having people, you know, as they're evaluating wellness, biosciences, RX, you're, you're taking them through that process. Maybe you've had them on a three-way call with Sean or maybe you've plugged them into a um, – you know, a 3, a 3 p.m. Uh, Zoom call, you know, that, that either he is doing or I'm doing or maybe somebody else, uh, you know, another brand partner is, is going to start getting involved. And we're, we're looking forward to having more people involved in our presentations. We spoke about that a little bit last week as well. But we know um, that, you know, it's, it's really just, you know, uh, us – you know, we're, we're, we're plugging in a lot of new activity and new growth that we're experiencing just from campaigns that we're running. And so the, the meetings that we have on Tuesdays and Thursdays will start becoming a little more directed to uh, new looks. But as you're out there, you know, sharing this information, and you're, you know, have people going through that process, the, um, the focus is really just having people, I believe, make a decision to get started Rather, you know, we have a compensation plan. Let's face it, it's extremely lucrative. Uh, you know, I was looking at the uh, the payout. I think that Joseph was, well, it was somewhere around uh, over $14,000, right? And, and we know it's not normal for people to get involved in network marketing and start generating the type of revenue 
that you can generate. But we we're you know we have a compensation plan that does allow people to choose where they you know where they're going to start. And we know how much more money you can make with three companies <clears throat> or two companies. <clears throat> excuse me, versus one company. We understand that. So when you start multiplying your revenue by two or by three times in your residuals as well as what it, how it affects your immediate income, we know how that bolsters the revenue. And, and that's valuable. We, we want people to experience that. We want them to make as much money as they possibly can. And I know that's a bit counterintuitive to how corporate America works. I understand that. Corporate America, if you start making some good money, they'll reduce your territory or they'll cut your, your commissions or they'll do things to make you have to work harder to earn the same amount of money because the, the philosophy from a corporate America perspective is when people start making more money, then sometimes they get, you know, they don't work as hard. They become a little more relaxed and a little more, you know, a, you know, a little more complacent, I guess. However, what we recognize is that whether that's true or not true, certainly we, we know that somebody can go out and they can make a lot of money and maybe kind of shift gears and not go as far into, you know, driving the revenue. And, and maybe they, they take a month off or whatnot. But the value of the story that you then have, if you choose to operate with a level of urgency, if you choose to take, you know, the, the mindset of, hey, I've made money and now I'm going to really work to make more, or they leverage that revenue, uh, you know, by, you know, reinvesting it back into their business. I know I was talking with my friend Al Cheek, who's out there in California, and he, you know, he was declaring to me, hey, Barry, as I start, you know, as we start going here, I plan to reinvest the money that I'm making back into my business. Well, that's a long-term business-minded individual who sees the value of bolstering and growing the business. But, you know, Al has somewhat of an unfair advantage. You see, he he's uh, personally watched our company grow. You know, uh, you know, pr our previous campaign. He watched that company grow from infancy to where you know we were you know doing literally hundreds of millions of dollars of business. And he watched some of those people <clears throat> in that experience, you know, get you know financially independent and and do so do a number of things just you know, just kind of from the outside looking in. And now that he's on the inside of the campaign, he's saying, well, you know what? <clears throat> I want to be one of those people that's taking advantage and seizing the opportunity for new growth and take advantage of the momentum. And that's really kind of what I want to talk about before I turn the call over to Sean uh, here this morning. I, I, You know, people often ask me, you know, what what are the types of things that you would be talking to people about if you were out building the business, you know, strictly in the field, well, I would be talking about, you know, new market growth opportunities. If I was in a new market, as an example, you know, and, and this is what I was, uh, I think I was sharing this maybe on some text with Joseph, and and uh, I was also, uh, you know, extending some of that information. We were just talking, you know, back and forth, and then Sean and I were kind of communicating back and forth. See, Sean and I understand the urgency that's important when a new person comes on, right? And we really do understand <clears throat> that you, you have to facilitate an opportunity to get in front of their new contacts as quickly as possible. So, example, when Joseph brought Nick on, you know, we placed a lot of value into getting into uh, that market where Nick lived out in Louisiana th that week. So we did that, right? And right, right away, 
in his first meeting in Louisiana, we had 10 people to meet with and talk with and share information with. And, and so now, you know, we're, we're, we as a company are, are you know, we've already, <clears throat> you know, he's already started his business at PPC. He has every reason to be motivated right now because he just spent the money. Like anybody that spends the money and starts a business, there's a level of enthusiasm and excitement. There's an energy there that you really want to harness when you're building this business, particularly in a new market. And, and so, you know, what, what I've been sharing with Nick is, hey, now is the time where you can go out and, and really take advantage of the new market growth opportunity, in addition to the fact that we talked about this extensively last week, the differences uh, that, that, you know, shared volume and wholesale make. And I, and I distinguish the difference by saying, hey, if an individual makes a decision to get involved with personal volume and capitalize the business, we offer them a wholesale opportunity where they can wholesale that inventory, uh, portions of that inventory to new people getting involved. We do that because we want people to advance their growth opportunity in the market. You know, not, I mean, obviously, the, the more product we have extended to new people that are getting involved, the better off everybody's doing. So we do not have a desire for people to have any sort of inventory just sitting. We want that inventory to be moving. When the inventory is moving, then you've got growth, right? So that's why we, you know, we, we take less money as a company when new people get involved at these higher ranks where we're paying out more money because we want to facilitate an opportunity for those that have already made that decision. So we have that opportunity for people that use personal volume, right, to wholesale that inventory. But additionally, if you're a brand partner and you're effective in the business and you go out and you establish new personal group volume, right, and the other example I gave is Olga. Olga had been involved in the business. She'd already capitalized hers, and we give a certain period of time where you can take advantage of wholesaling and, and shared volume. But now she went out and did, did $30,000 of volume in the month of March, so she can now take advantage of a shared volume opportunity that she has in the month of April. And that's why she now has this unique opportunity, just as Nick has this unique opportunity to bring people on and wholesale if he chooses, offer shared volume if he chooses. But interestingly enough, so, so Joseph also, who did the personal group volume with Nick, has an opportunity to provide shared volume. So we do things in our, <clears throat> in our compensation plan. We do things in our marketing strategy so that when people are making these business decisions to capitalize their business, we, we want to foster them with a unique opportunity for people within their sphere of influence. So when, when, when you look at Joseph, who first got involved, he started his business with 60000 as an example. Then he brought Nick on a couple months later. Well, his shared volume opportunity, so Nick started his business at 60000 also. So the shared volume opportunity went away as Joseph started building his business on that first capitalization. But then when Nick gets involved, he started his business at that high level. So now both Nick and Joseph have that opportunity. Now, I say all that to say this. Listen, we are not a company that's focused in on people starting their business at PPC. What we're focused in on is helping new people see the value of starting their own distribution model inside of WBRX, facilitating the support required, giving them a calendar of events to work with should they desire to plug into that. Now what we can do is we can kind of become their leverage. We can become their support. 
they can make a decision to get involved. And when they come to our Zoom calls or our meetings, all we really try to do is bolster the fact that we're connected to those people and, and, and really edify and, and uplift those people that we're working directly with so that their uh, potential prospects and people that are coming to the call can understand that dynamic. And I can tell you, frankly, that is a very attractive dynamic. It is very attractive for people that are out here every day in the world to plug into a group of people that are edifying each other, lifting each other up, having a good time, supporting each other, helping each other generate income. See, that's a unique dynamic that you don't always find out there in the world. And, and I know that there's a ton of things that people can do in, in, in the spirit of becoming an effective entrepreneur, and sometimes they find themselves, if they're not careful, operating, you know, building a business uh, for themselves and by themselves, right? And that's what you don't want to do. You want to build a business for yourself, we know why people do this. It's for them and their family. I understand that. It should be that way. I mean, everyone that's on this call right now, Sarah and Jeff, they, they should be building this business for themselves and their family. Uh, you know, Michael Mandeberry, you know, he, you know it, it, he can build this business, and his motivation should be on some level for himself and his family and those people he wants to be benevolent with and, and share things with. Uh, Jen Rennell, I mean, all of these people that are involved in the business, Joseph, uh, Nick, you know, Olga, Gail, Al Cheek out in California, I mean, what an opportunity, brand new market. If it were me and I was representative of a brand new market, I would be talking to people every day about what I would think would be most relevant to them. Getting involved early, timing. What does everybody think about when they hear about a company that it's in its early stages of growth. Hey, what if I got involved and I became a reason why that company became huge in a household name, I could change my life? Absolutely. That is one perspective that we entertain often with new people in new markets because it's effective. It helps people get a better and more unique understanding. And, and, and you say, well, okay, what if they get involved and nothing happens? What if they get involved and they build a multi-million dollar business and change their life, their family's life, their, their kids' and their parents' life at the same time, what if that happens? You know, I still look back at the fact I got involved in 1992. I'm still very, very thankful for a guy by the name of Greg Chudikoff. And had Greg Chudikoff not, you know, shared the opportunity with me, I probably would have never, ever got involved in this industry. I didn't understand the value of it. I had preconceived ideas. What you're not up on, you're usually down on. All those negative things that you can think of that people say with respect to network marketing, I was saying all those things. I'm a convert, <laughs> you know, real convert. Like I was a guy <clears throat> that just thought, you know, oh, you know, I'm not going to sell to my neighbors and friends. And, oh, please, you know, give me a break. I mean, can you look over here at my clients? And these guys are entertainers and professional athletes. Now, come on. You know, you think I can really get involved? I mean, my, my reputation. All of the things that you can imagine were going on inside of me when I first made the decision to get involved in this business because I didn't know I didn't know any better. I had a lot of I had these preconceived ideas and thoughts, and I understand where people are. I I I, I try to pay attention to everybody that's looking at the business because I can remember what it was like when I was first looking at it. Now. 
it doesn't make any difference because I understand most people, I, you know, I go back to Olga. Olga had a gentleman that was looking at the business when she was first getting involved looking at the business. <clears throat> and, um, you know, he, he had a lot of preconceived ideas. <clears throat> Even though we tried to shed some light, we'd let him know, you know, by the way, uh, this is a, you know, a, a industry that does, you know, several, I mean, it, you, you've got an industry that does hundreds of billions of dollars annually as an industry called direct sales and network marketing. There are company, there are many companies out there that are publicly traded in this space that use the idea and the context of, you know, taking a product from the manufacturer to the end user and, and really, for lack of a better word, just, you know, taking all those costs of typical traditional costs of marketing and advertising them and redirecting them into a commission structure for people that are building and developing market share distributorships. <clears throat> That's just the reality. And if a company legitimately is, is uh, you know, marketing and distributing products, in other words, when you get involved in WBRX, like many of the companies out there that are legitimate, we actually ship, fulfill, and deliver a value-added product that makes a difference in people's lives. It's not just somebody throwing money into a pyramid scheme. Although we know, looking back at myself, that's what my perception of the industry was. I thought it was just a, a bunch of slick salespeople that really knew how to, you know, convince other people to join them in an effort to just make money. But what I didn't understand is that it's a, it's a form of marketing and distribute, distributing value-added product and giving people <clears throat> an opportunity to participate as an entrepreneur, right? I mean, that's just really what the business is, and it's a level playing field. When we say it's a level playing field, why is it a level playing field? Well, frankly, I mean, I've seen a lot of people that, you know, are pretty high on themselves, and <clears throat> they get involved in this business, and they don't know anything about it, and they may have had great success and everything else that they've done in life, but they get over here, and, and, and they don't have any success. And then I've seen other people that you are the least likely who you would have never anticipated would have had great success. Some people have stuttering issues. They have speech impediments. They have difficulties. They maybe come from a difficult uh, circumstance in life. They're working in a very uh, blue-collar situation. They get involved in this industry, and they make millions of dollars. Well, what's the difference? I, I can promise you it's not the comp plan. It's not the product. It's the types of actions that people take when they make a decision to get involved in this business. And I just look at our, our comp plan and I look at our product and I look at the people, right? I mean, it's the same comp plan and, and it's the same product for everybody. It's the same comp plan and the same product for Olga as it is for Joseph, as it is for Gail, as it is for Michael, as it is for Jen, as it is for Lee, as it is for Al. It's the same thing. So the only thing we have to determine once you really do understand that is how people choose to operate within the business. And, and the first thing that we often say is just realize when you make a decision to get involved, and I'm glad to, to share this with all of you, it is building a business. And you're going to build a business with people that you're maybe, in many cases, are mutual contacts. And, and there are going to be times and instances where they may be your cousin or your brother or your uncle or your aunt or your good friend one day, and now you are business partners the next. And so it, it kind of redefines the relationship a little bit because now you have a business relationship 
in addition to the personal relationship that you once had. This sometimes can be challenging for people inside of network marketing. I had to go through some of those challenges. I had to kind of relearn and redistinguish the, the applications of business principles and then learn to work through those and then establish relationships on a personal level while also working with people from a business perspective and have a, a vital and, and uh, you know, just have a positive role with respect to that. Th those are all important factors, right? And, and, you know, when people, sometimes people ask me, I've had a few people ask me about, you know, my relationship uh, with Sean. Well, my relationship with Sean started many years ago. I never, for, I, even though I was the CEO of the company and Sean was a field leader, I always worked with Sean as a partner. And I never treated him any differently than I would treat anybody that was partnering. I had another guy that was a partner in the business, uh, you know, that, that was a partner in that company. But in, me, in many cases, I was working much closer with people like Sean and others to help them move the needle in the business than I was even my partner because that's where we were experiencing growth. It was the relationships and the time that I was spending because – and, I mean, you know, my partner was out doing a lot of things as well in the business. We kind of would divide and conquer when it came to building in the field, and, and that was a positive thing. And so as we're growing this company, you'll start – you'll see that Sean and I will, will kind of divide and conquer, right? We'll spend time working with key leaders in new markets, depending upon time and schedule and all those things that go into it, but we both basically – are reading from the same playbook. We're both on, we, we both focus in on staying on the same page so that we can keep things directed and moving in the same direction. Well, my advice to people is to do the same thing. Communicate with people in your business. Be honest with them. Tell them what you uh, transparently uh, believe is good and tell them what you, you, know, you think may need to, you know, to, to take a, another look at. Be constructive. You know, it's because what here's what does happen, and you need to be aware of this. This is a people business. And so when you get involved and you start working together with people, people, you know, they are, in general, they, they tend to have, um, you know, a lot of different things going on at any given time. Emotions um, can play a significant role. Attitude, uh, they can be up one day and down the next. There's a lot of factors that go into collectively working together with people and working, that, working with them to serve them and facilitate a growth opportunity in any way that you possibly can. We realize that. So people tend to be, uh, you know, uh, in, in general, just general terms, they can be a moving target. You know, sometimes it's almost like herding cats when you're talking about having people that are independently minded, they're entrepreneurs, Getting together on a consistent basis, sometimes it can be challenging. I can tell you that the amount of people that we have on this call here this morning, you know, we've got some phenomenal people. I've been telling you the names, Jen and Dr. Nessick and Mike Vandermeer and, and uh, Joseph and Nick and Sarah Davidson and, and Gail, Olga, Leanne, Al, Rosa. I mean, we've got people literally on the phone right now from different parts of the country. You know, we've got people all the way – you know, uh, from California to Houston to up to northern part of, uh, of, of Texas, uh, you know, to League City. I mean, let's face it, to Louisiana. So, so here's the thing. 
How does this evolve and grow? Well, it starts with people that say, you know what? I've got an opportunity to launch a brand new market. And I tell people the truth. I, was, I met with Nick. I said, hey, Nick, here's the thing. You have a unique opportunity, and here's the deal. You want to know what the great news is? You're the first one in Louisiana. You want to know what the bad news is? You're the first one in Louisiana. <laughs> because you're the one that's going to be leading the charge, and you can get as much market growth as you want. No one else is in WBRX. So it's up to you as to how you go out and you promote yourself and promote the opportunity for other people to team up with you. Just as Sean and I did when we first started WBRX, Sean and I were looking at each other on a given day when we first started this company, and we didn't have a single brand partner, not a single one. So when people look at us today and say, well, gosh, you know, you guys have been out there now for 15, 16 months. You only have 1,000. Yeah, but you know what? It's a lot more than we had when we started. We didn't have a, we didn't even have a hundred. We didn't. I mean, it was just really. Is really he and I, and, and we had vision and belief. But I share this with people. You have to realize this. This is a true thing. Let me tell you. I mean, <laughs> whether you believe or don't believe is not the issue. The fact of the matter is, is that a long time ago, a little over two thousand years ago, there, there were uh, you know a group of twelve people that went out in pairs of two, and with vision and belief only. Think about it. Just think about it. They, they were out selling. It was a tough sell, by the way. If you believe, you ascend. If you don't, you go down. Think about that sell. It's a tough sell. And by the way, if they got caught selling it, guess what? They got their heads cut off. They were, they were let's just say, it wasn't a good day. Now, in spite of that, based on the vision and belief that they had, the facts remain and it's documented that they had built the largest organization that this world has ever seen. It's called Christianity. Now, we believe that most of you on the phone probably like us or believers, but you may not be. It doesn't refute the facts I just shared with you. The fact is, is they didn't have a lot of the uh, – they, they were relying completely on the fact that what they've seen and experienced, they saw someone rise from the dead – and they saw and experienced something that no one else could see. And, and, and you have to realize, no one else believed it. No one else would. And there's people today all over the world, there's billions of them that don't believe it. But it doesn't change the fact that that organization has flourished and grown to the tune of billions of people that also have accepted it and do believe it. So what happened? Well, you had people that went out with enough vision and enough belief, and they change the world. Now, I know when people look at growing and developing a brand-new organization and leading and spearheading the growth of a new market, I know there's apprehension, there's trepidation, there's concern, there's fear, there's doubt. I have experienced every single one of those. And I will tell you right now that as we are, are launching this company, this business, there has not been one word that has ever been spoken between my partner and I, Sean. We, we believe in the power of a spoken word. We've never spoken one word that would indicate anything other than the fact that we're going to build a very big business and we're going to do it with a key group of people and everyone is going to realize and accept and know the differences between having marginal success and very significant success. We've never on one moment expressed one word of doubt. 
have we in our own minds and hearts, in our own way, experienced some challenges? Yeah, when you get shut down and you can't have a merchant account because, you know, there's no depositories for CBD and, 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 and there's no way to transact business. Oh, you, uh, can, you can only imagine the effort and the time and the amount of resources we put in to this company far exceed anything anybody else has put in. And we started with us. Now, because we started with us and we started with the resources that we put involved and, we, and, and the way that we operate, we've never, we understand the risk and reward. We understand it. And here's the deal. When we went about what was required to build the company, we knew, and I knew, what, here's what I knew. I knew that Sean and I were equally yoked. I knew that we were coming out of the same playbook. I knew that we, were, we understood what faith was. We understood it was the substance of things not yet, I mean, it was, it was really the substance of things that are not yet seen, but hoped for, right? So we knew that faith was going to be an integral part of this journey. And believe me, we realized that there's going to be days when doubt, uncertainty, and fear will start trying to nudge their way into your psyche and start trying to have a negative impact. But we've never allowed any of it individually and to one another become a spoken word. And, and people say, well, why does that matter? Well, there's power in a spoken word. If you don't believe it, you know, try, try you know, real. You know, people say sticks and stones can break your, your bones, but words can never hurt you. That's not true. I've seen people get destroyed with words, and I've seen people literally almost give life with words. A spoken word, whether you acknowledge it or not, as ancient scripture tells us, was used to create and change the dynamic of what took place in the environment. A world came to be because of a spoken word. Now, you may not accept that or, may, or believe that, but I can tell you this. I've had conversations with people, and it's kind of amazing. Through that conversation, I've had people literally say to me, oh, I think I can see now. Or, oh, I, I, I realize it's dawned on me. Because of a word, something has dawned on them. They can now see what they couldn't see before. See, a spoken word is a very powerful thing. And there have been times, some of you have said some things, and I've said, let me ask you a question. You know, you have a brand new prospect. We're sitting here going through this information. What exactly were you trying to accomplish when you were saying something negative uh, to another person about, you know, I don't know, an experience with the product or something negative with respect to whatever it is, something maybe you didn't understand or an odd question at a weird time. What exactly were you trying to accomplish? I mean, they're sitting there, they're trying to do the business and they've got a brand new prospect, and they didn't have an answer because they've never even thought in terms of, well, everything I'm saying, there should probably be at least a, a thought behind it or a purpose as to what I'm trying to accomplish. And, and all I've ever said to people is, listen, when you're in this business, you're going to have to realize that the rubber meets the road with what you're saying to people. And I've shared this with people. If you want to know where the rubber really meets the road, hey, just record what you're saying in a phone call. Just record yourself when you're talking to a brand-new prospect. And ask yourself a very simple question. Would you ever get involved with you? Would you team up with you as a business owner and would you see yourself, you know, as a person who could lead, guide, and direct people to have success through your communication? 
And if the answer is not absolutely yes, then you have a little bit of an indication as to what maybe has not got you the ratio that you'd like to have or the success that you'd like to have. And I'm just speaking with everybody very honestly now. I, I'm not suggesting for one second. Listen, I spent many days recording what I was saying. I would just ask prospects, hey, would you mind if I would – and I did this with a cassette player when I was building the business. Could I, With a re cassette recorder, would you mind – if I just record this conversation because I'm really trying to get better and more concise at what information I'm delivering. I've never had one prospect that had any problem with that. I've recorded lots of conversations. I just let people know, hey, I'm recording the conversation so that I can you know, make sure that I'm answering your questions as effectively as I can. I can learn from what I'm saying, and I can understand with, better, with a better delivery. Now, when I first got involved in this business, guys, I didn't sound – I wasn't – I was used to one-on-one -on -one conversations. I wasn't used to delivering a message on a conference call or with a group of people. I had to really train by listening to what I was saying. I didn't have somebody even give me critiquing other than, you know, as you start doing this with more frequency, you, you, you tend to get a little more polished, a little more effective. I often tell people, you know, my, my partner, Sean, when he first got involved, he, he had never really done a meeting, at least that I knew of, and it wasn't like he was horrible. But he certainly, he certainly wasn't as effective and as efficient and, and as well-versed and as knowledgeable as he is today, but he worked at it. He did that. I didn't do that. That was a decision that Sean Baker made. And many of you, and we had a lot of other people that started off, and they were, they were horrible. His upline that was earning, I don't know, God knows how much, $170,000 a month, when he first got involved, I mean, he, I told him, please be quiet. Don't say anything. Let me do all the talking. <laughs> right now, you sound terrible. You're saying, all the, you're saying the worst things that you could possibly say, and he literally had to sit and watch me for probably five or six months, do meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting before he started saying and doing some of the things required, and then he went out and he built a huge company. But I give him a lot of credit because he did for, he kept swinging away regardless he would bring people to meetings, never do any part of the meeting, but and then he started realizing some of the things to say, how to say it more effectively. But here's the thing, guys. The deal is this. This is network marketing, and you're involved at a very favorable time to launch new markets, to do things that down the road as we start to expand and 1,000 people becomes 5,000 people and 5,000 becomes 10, and 10 becomes 15 to 20. You'll look back at these types of conversations that we're having today, you know, uh, you know here uh, on Monday morning in April, and, and, and on the, you know, 2021, and you'll say, wow. You'll go back in time, and, and it's, you know, for those of us that are spending this time together, you go, okay, now I realize I couldn't see it at that point, but as you look back, see, Everything, team, the, the, the vision that we have tends to be 2020 looking in the rearview mirror because we can see how everything evolved and unfolded right before our eyes. And I want to just, you know, please write this down and remember it. I promise you, you're going to look back on this experience and you're going to realize that you're going through a significant amount of personal development and growth because you're having to reflect on what you're doing. You're having to reflect on what you're saying. You're having to reflect on how you're spending your time. Are you on time or are you late? Are you, are you somebody, are you a person that I could count on to be on time or that you could count on? Do you think that, that your prospects can count on you to be on time? I don't know those answers, but you do. 
And I had to ask myself these questions because I was notoriously late and I gave every excuse in the book because I was so busy. The fact of the matter was my time was more valuable to me than anybody else's time. And if I showed up late, I'm doing the best I can. That's what my mantra was until someone came along and said, Barry, dude, you've got a character flaw. Do you think that your time is more important than other people's time? Time is the most valuable thing anybody has. If you're notoriously walking in 10, 15 minutes late, dude, you got a problem. He was right. I was wrong. I did not like to hear him say that. In fact, I resented it. <laughs> I think he said it loud enough. There was other people he was saying it in front of directly to me. Not, you know, like, not like a broad message like I'm sharing right now. By the way, I'm not talking to anybody on this call. I'm just telling you that I had issues, big issues. I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. I thought, hey, you don't know who I know. Just because they were entertainers doesn't mean that I, that I was all that in a bag of chips. I still had to do the same work. And I tell people here, man, listen, if you get involved in the PPC or you get involved in manager, you know what? You know what's the, the uh, equal uh, you know, playing field is everyone still has to do the same work. If I get involved and I'm at PPC, do I have the leverage of the title? Absolutely. But until I'm doing the business and building the business, I'm no different than someone that gets involved as a manager because a manager still has to go out and do what? Six-step program. So has to use the product, talk about the results, give samples away, follow up, find out if they want to you know, become a customer or they want to take a look at the business. Still, the same conversation has to take place no matter where you start the business. And, and, and so everyone has 24 hours in a day. I had, to, I had to really realize this one. Everybody has 24 hours in a day. Wealthy people have 24 hours in a day, and broke people have 24 hours a day. Now, it, this is how I used to think. Wouldn't it drive you crazy if you didn't know the difference between what wealthy people are doing and what broke people are doing because they both have the same amount of time in a given day? It drove me nuts. I used to have to realize, okay, this is not because of someone's background or not their education or their family, their lineage. This is because individuals are making different choices because I started running into people in this industry that came from a nothing. They didn't have the credibility that I had when I got involved in business because at least I owned a business. These people came from zero. They were, some of them literally laying brick and, and hanging sheetrock and then got involved in this business because they had a tremendous amount of desire, their will was crazy big, and they were very teachable. Tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. Listen to the tapes, listen to the tapes, listen to the tapes. Get more personal development, get more personal development. And those people became rock stars in this industry. You know, my, my, friend, uh, my friend that, you know, I worked with, uh, you know, on the consulting level over at his company. At that time, it was a coffee company. Now he's gone on to do other things. But at one time, he was earning over a million a month as a distributor with another company. Now, just think about that, a million a month. And I, I saw it with my own eyes. I saw the... Uh, back office, I saw the growth that he had in that business. And this guy grew up in the hood of Tampa, Florida. I'm talking about with nothing, no education, no background, but a huge amount of belief, a huge amount of vision, desire, will, and teachability. And because of that, he, he went about what was required, and the guy would listen to tapes until he fell asleep every night. This is a guy that was selling furniture over here off of Westheimer. He was selling furniture 
out, out there on the, I'm talking about out on, you know, you have these open parking lots where you can buy furniture, put them out there, and then you can wave people, you know, down and sell them furniture. This is what this guy was doing, and I'm talking about he was doing this when we were running our previous campaign back in 2004, 5, and 6. He was doing that. But, you know, by the time it came to 2008, 9, and 10, the guy was earning a million dollars a month. Now, that's a true story. I can tell you that that inspired me and helped me get a better understanding of the real growth opportunities. Someone could literally change their life in a relatively short period of time. And I fell in love over the years with the entrepreneurial opportunity that's involved here. And, guys, I'll just tell you this before I turn the call over to my partner, Sean, right now. Look, we have this unique time. It's, it's like right now – what I believe is taking place is that everything is beginning to open up. I don't care about the negativity. I love the fact that our boardroom is full on Wednesday and no one's wearing a mask. We have Simmer in the room. We have a changed attitude. People are starting to recognize their belief of what they can do now moving forward. It has nothing to do with the past. You know, Take 2020, make it whatever you choose it to be. I believe that some of the leadership that we have within the company has made that conscious decision to team up with us, and I'm so excited about the results. Thank God. I'm very excited about, you know, Joseph Trainer. Here's a guy probably could do just about anything he wants to do, but has decided to team up with W. Gregson, earned over $14,000 in the month of March. Big congratulations to him, but I, don't, I, I can tell you this, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a bet out there. Anybody wants to take it, I bet you he gets it to 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, even $100,000 a month by wash, r- rinse, repeat what he's already done to earn $14,000. I'll take Olga as an example. Olga uh, in the month of March earned $5,000. I believe Olga will take a wash, rinse, and repeat concept and will not quit, and I believe she will go out and earn a lot more than $5,000 a month. I think you'll see her at $15,000, dollars $40,000 a month because she can see it. And you'd be surprised at what can happen once somebody in their own mind can see their future and their capability of changing things for themselves, then everything changes. It all changes. So with that, guys, I'm going to turn over the I'm going to turn the call over to Sean. And you know, look, Sean's yet another example of a guy that got involved. He couldn't see it in the beginning, and the results were part of the journey. But I can tell you that he took a um, you know, he, like everybody, he took a leap of faith. He took a big leap of faith, and he had to cross a lot of obstacles. But look at where he's at today. You know, I mean, I tell people all the time, I'm so proud of not just what he's done, but what he's doing, that it, it, it's, a, it's an exciting uh, experience, and, um, you know, we're blessed to be able to have that experience with him. So, brother, I'm going to turn the call over to you. I'm going to sit back and take some notes, and uh, if, um, you know, if, if you finish up and you, you, um, you know, have some things, you know, that you want to communicate in the meantime, uh, go right ahead, brother. I appreciate you, Barry. Hey, thank you, and, and great uh, knowledge today, great information. I- I would tell you guys, as I was taking notes, I had just a couple of takeaways. And, you know, Barry and I often talk about should we get together and script these, not script, but kind of plan these calls or just, or just go with the flow until we, you know, until we 
uh, see that it, it's not as effective as it could be. And so far, you know, we, we've just really been in the groove and kind of a way for us to even check our, our partnership and our relationship. And some of the unspoken things is, you know, Barry will convey a message and then coincidentally more times than not, my message just piggybacks right on or vice versa. And so one of the three things I really want to touch on today, I want to, one, I want to brag on my daughter because she, uh, she's a, a gymnast. She's 13. She just started gymnastics two years ago. And she's already getting to compete at a state level here on Mother's Day weekend. I don't know the exact, you know, timing of it. But I, I tell you that because she's really a comeback story. She's someone that, she, you know, my, my oldest daughter, who's now 22 and is a coach at the gymnastics facility, she has been a, a gymnast since she was literally three, four years old. Um, she is someone that just, just, you know, gets in it and stays in it and, and works consistently and works hard. She's not an overachiever, but she's just super, super, super consistent. Well, my youngest daughter didn't get involved in gymnastics till much later. It was one of those things that was really more about exercise. It was really more about fun. It was really more about social participation. It wasn't so much about the competitive level of gymnastics. But as a byproduct of her just wanting to expand her social circle and, and get in shape and do some fun things and maybe learn some neat you know, gymnastic skills that she could play with later in life, what we found is quite the competitor. We found someone who has a heart for for gymnastics she has a heart to compete she's watching videos much like barry said and the reason i bring my daughter up is because greatness whatever you were doing you know the gentleman he was talking about that was earning a million dollars a month and was listening to to tapes to go to sleep or you know i was talking on uh, saturday i used to listen to zig ziglar tapes to and from work every single day the old cassette zig ziglars and, and all of that to say is you know if you watch a professional athlete you've got the allen iversons who have all the talent in the world, but they don't want to practice. They don't want to participate. And what ultimately happens is the rest of the team, it kind of becomes cancerous. So despite their individual uh, accomplishments or despite their individual uh, success without practicing, most people need the practice. Most people need the repetition, whether it's the batting cage or the driving range or like, like my daughter, you know, going to gym – Gymnastics three hours a day, four days a week to try to play catch up. So anyway, all of that to say, now she's made it to a state level, and I couldn't be more proud of her. Now, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit because this is what seems to happen throughout organizations. It has certainly happened to me. But but I asked her the other day, I said, hey, you know, you get state right around the corner. I'm so excited for you. You know, she didn't think she was going to make it, to be honest with you, because I don't know all of the details and the way that – those ranking structures work. I, I didn't know if she was going to make it or not either. And I, of course, never told her that as her encouraging, supportive father. I just said, well, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. So when she found out she gets to go to state, you know, I was as surprised as she was. Of course, I didn't show it, but but I was. And I say all that to say when I started asking her about practice, even as excited as she is about state, even as excited as she is about her level of success, I started saying, hey, how was practice? How was your dismount on beam? How was, how was your new routine on floor? And she starts getting with, you know, talking to me about the, the kid that's not at practice today and it's the second time in a row or the drama between this little boy and that little girl or, you know, the, the drama going on between this friend and that friend. And immediately you, you take this state-level comeback kid, Rudy story, super focused, and immediately what, what kind of, falls into the conversation is drama and distraction and nothing has anything to do with anything as it relates to her going to state and performing and competing. 
she wants to get into the conversation about all, all the other stuff. So I had to redirect her, and I kind of laughed because it was an epiphany for me that, that sometimes as adults, we never get out of that mindset, right? I mean, I know folks that it's like, oh, I was going to run today, but my running buddy couldn't make it, so I didn't run. Wow, so you're, you're only – motivation is the fact that that person, you know, was going to come with you. And now that they didn't, you're just out completely. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe, you know, I'm an ex-vet. We called them battle buddies back in the Army. You should always have a battle buddy. I know that I'm much more motivated to to do well, you know, when when someone's waiting for me at the gym or when someone's going to go run with me. There's certainly a level of accountability, and I appreciate that. But I can't solely depend on the fact that, well, if Barry didn't go to the gym, I guess I'm not going to the gym today either. And if Barry didn't show up for the presentation today, I guess I won't present the information, right? Like there's no logic in that. So it's great to be communal. It's great to have a, an awareness of who's around you and, and what's going on in your life and what's going on in their life, but not so much so that it becomes a distraction or, God forbid, if so-and-so doesn't go, you're not going either. Or if so-and-so doesn't participate, then you're not going to participate either. You know, I would never encourage anyone, from my daughter to my mother to everyone in between, never let someone else's actions dictate your goals, your desires, your dreams, what, what you want to accomplish. I mean, and I would even say, you know, guys, this is speaking from personal experience, you know, don't let a significant other squish your dreams. I'm not saying fight with them, and I'm not saying don't, you know, don't honor their opinion, but but God made you to accomplish whatever you're supposed to accomplish with your life, and you can't put all of that on a shelf for any one other person, right? That's just my beliefs. So as I was sharing with my daughter about, you know, staying focused on state, not not focusing on who isn't coming to practice and why they're not coming to practice and what's going on in Dramaville, focus on your routines, focus on going to state, and focus on getting the job done. The second thing that I wanted to touch on today, and I was never an actor. I, I, I mean, I played in a seventh grade Christmas play, and, and I don't even remember the part I played. It wasn't even a speaking part. But one of the things that I for, never forgot that I took away is I remember looking at the lead actor and the lead actress, and I thought, God, I'm memorizing all these lines, and what if they forget, and what if they screw up, and thank God that's not me out front, and I'm glad I don't have to memorize all that. I could never do it. And I never forget that the drama teacher, she said, you know, guys, you know the script. You know every word. You know what is supposed to be said. And even if you make a mistake, just keep going. The audience doesn't know what the script was. The audience doesn't know every word that's supposed to come out of your mouth. And that's really when I learned the term ad lib. You know, I know famous folks like Robin Williams, who was, tragically, you know, committed suicide, was a phenomenal actor. He was a great comedian. Um, you know, he was famous for ad-libbing, for, for going with the flow, if you will. And I only point that out because, guys, as we become more seasoned or more, um, you know, entrenched as distributors, you've been around it a while, maybe you've seen the presentation, you, you know, you can almost do the comp plan, you know, in your sleep, which is a great place to be, by the way. We start to get critical and have a critical nature of, well, that slide still has a misspelling. And, and guys, I'm not saying that, that, you know, please believe me, Barry and I are both perfectionists in our own way, and we're trying to get better every single day. You know, if you ever look at Barry's truck is just a great example. Even on a rainy day, somehow it is spotless inside and out. You know, so we both have 
the areas that, that we think are important to, to really shine and to cross the T's and dot the I's. And, and you know, presentations are one of those. The, the music in the room, the environment, starting on time, ending on time, you know, valuing people's, uh, you know, time who have driven all the way across town to spend an hour with us, maybe, you know, not an hour and 15 minutes or two hours. Even you guys getting on the call this morning, you know, we try to end right at 930 because we know you have things to do and places to be. But all of that being said, when we miss the mark, it does not behoove the distributor base to point that out to their prospect. If there is a typo on the slide, please remind us. Please send us an email. You can even, you know, if it, if it somehow makes you feel better and you need to be a little snarky in private and say, guys, I've told you three or four or five times, you know, this slide's still wrong. By all means, let's get it corrected. Let's get it resolved. Bring it up until it's fixed. But it does not benefit the distributor base to do that, to say things like that in front of a prospect. It does not benefit you in any way, and I'm not talking to anyone on this call, but I, I've done it. I mean, I remember getting sideways with my old, my old uh, uh, upline, my old sponsor, and I would actually very rarely, thank God, but there were a few occasions that I kind of aired that dirty laundry about what a bad sponsor my sponsor was, which was not untrue, guys. My sponsor you know, got me involved in the business, and then he went over to Florida to chase hurricanes, and thank God for his upline and his upline and, and Barry and, and other people within the organization. But the truth was my sponsor got me involved at a $30,000 order, made a nice, fat six or $7,000 commission check, and then disappeared. But it did not benefit or behoove me to tell the people I was prospecting in the business all of the down and the dirty you know, the nitty-gritty, so to speak. Now, there didn't, there didn't mean I needed to lie to them. The truth was, it's all a matter of perspective, I had a phenomenal upline organization. My direct sponsor was worthless, but my, my upline was phenomenal. Matter of fact, they were probably extraordinary because they helped in a way that was as if, you know, they were my personal sponsor at all times. They were amazing. And so, you know, I could definitely should have expounded on that aspect and left the negative, you know, minimize the negative or just not even brought up the negative at all because, frankly, it had nothing to do with their opportunity. The people that I was prospecting, I knew they were going to have my support, and I knew they were going to have my entire organizational upline support, and I knew they were going to have support from the CEO of the company, Barry Koshu, right? So I just needed to focus on all the things we did have, not the one or two things we didn't have, and not to, to, you know, to spit in the drinking water, pardon the analogy, but, you know, to kind of pee in the pool, if you will. Don't, don't muddy the waters. Don't make a mess where a mess doesn't need to exist. And then last but not least, I'll give you a quick organizational example over here. You know, I'll give you the map of it, and then I'll give you the, the, the harsh reality that none of it really ultimately matters. So if you take, as an example, you know, Barry mentioned Joseph Trey, and I couldn't be more proud of Joseph more excited about Nick and Louisiana and, and, and not just Nick and Louisiana, but Olga and Gail and that just entire line. I mean, if we were to write out the line on paper, you know, WBRX and then, you know, each individual distributor, I'm, I'm as excited about that line of the business as I am any line of the business in the company today. But I have to tell you, there's a couple of people mixed in the upline who, and, and Barry and I, you know, we approve commissions. We may not sign checks like you did back in the old days. Everything's ACH now, but we still approve the commission run. 
you know, Austin and, and our commission engine produces it. Barry and I review it, and once everything looks good and, and squared away and accurate, then we approve those commissions. So we see them on a monthly basis. We can reflect back quarterly or even annual. And I would just tell you, there's a couple of folks that are not around today within the upline structure of Joseph. Now, you got Gail up there as an organizational leader. She's consistent. She's on almost every call, every Zoom. Every live presentation, so certainly you know, not, I'm definitely excluding Gail from, from the other part of this conversation. But I looked back at some commission runs, you know, and the, and the gentleman, or you know, I'm using that term, you know, loosely, but the person who sponsored Joseph into the business made five figures on that transaction. And the person that sponsored Ruben, I'm sorry, uh, the person that, that is upline of, of that is, you know, it has earned ten, five figures as well, over ten grand as well, as, you know, to the company since inception. So you've got you've got Gail, who is, is is entrenched in the organization. She's supportive. She's encouraging. She's around. You've got Joseph. You've got Olga. You got this great synergy. I mean, within that, you've even got Stony up in the Frisco area. So now it's starting to branch out up north, and you got it over in Louisiana. So you're going to branch out east, and you got a couple of guys in there who have earned five figures as a part of the structure being built, and are now MIA. Well, like I was telling my daughter at gymnastics, I don't have any ill will towards those guys. I have no beef with those guys. What I know is they're not around. They're not at practice, so to speak, and we're headed to state. This is a competition. This is a window of time. We want to go out and own the market space for scientifically-based, you know, bio-nutraceuticals, CBD, you know, whether it's weight management, whether it's female, whether it's male enhancement, whatever the case may be, we want to be cutting edge and we want to lead the market share. We cannot focus on who's not at practice today, right? We can't focus on what someone's not doing. We need to look at all the people that are engaged, all the people that are, that are exposed, uh, exposing other people the opportunity and maximize the timing and the momentum of what we have in front of us not focus on what we don't or who we don't have around today. So those are my three takeaways. I really appreciate, Barry, everything that you said today. Um, I love listening to the stories. It was great to be a part of that journey. Uh, but I'm excited about the journey ahead of us, our historical journey, what brought us together, all the things that we've accomplished, all the places we've been. I'm grateful for all of those, but they pale in comparison to where I believe we can go and all the great things we're going to accomplish moving forward. So with that, brother, I kick it back to you. Thank you guys for your time and your participation. It's now 930 on a Monday. We're going to have a great week. Please let us know if you need anything. We're both readily available, and we, we are here to lock up some business and, and compete for state, so to speak. So with that, brother, I'll kick it back to you. Hey, Sean, great job on the call as always. I, I, I uh, had a chance to take some notes here. And, uh, you know, look, man, I think it's it's really valuable. One of the things that Sean <clears throat> mentioned he great, gives great analogies. You know, it is it is valuable to see the progression in all of us, right? We can look back. I I you know recently looked back at uh, one of my journals and I saw some of the things I was writing in that journal when we concluded our our last uh, campaign uh, in 2012 together. And then I was looking at some of the uh, some of the things I journaled recently, and it's amazing to me the drastic differences of things that have uh, become valuable and important and uh, purposeful and intentional today as compared to what it used to be. And I think that we all, if you pay attention, we're all growing and changing. 
That's the constant. Someone has once told me, Barry, the one thing you can always count on, regardless of whether you're prepared for it, is that things will change. The question is, are you going to change to make sure that you stay in tune with what has to happen? And you know what? From that day to this day right now, I realize tomorrow will be completely different than today in many respects. Some respects there will be some similarities and some things that we find, you know, similar <laughs> or, or like yesterday. But the truth is every day is new and different, particularly in this business. I've often said, man, you never know who that next person is going to be. So, guys, as you go out this week, just realize tomorrow, today, even sometime this week, somebody that you come into contact with through either somebody in your business or someone directly could be a life-changing experience. We just don't know. We don't know who it is or where they come from. We just know that they're out there. So we appreciate you guys. I appreciate all the time that you're spending on these calls. Have a blessed day. We'll see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock on our Zoom call. We have some brand new people coming on that call scheduled to, and we'll be presenting the opportunity, all right? So have a great day, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.